0: Oh, gentlemen, Joe Cavanaugh coming here.
1: Couldn't have said it any better myself. Certainly not any louder. (laughs) You do have wounded.
2: Oh, sure. We have them custom-made in the factory in North Korea.
3: Hey, MASH fans. Welcome back to another episode of the MASH 4077 podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Kenny, and joining me from across the pond, Meds. Gentlemen. Today, we're discussing season 10, episode 19, Heroes. It's the 237th episode overall, directed by Neil Cox, written by Thad Munford and Dan Wilcox, originally aired on March 15th, 1982, and the production code is 1G15.
0: Holy cow! Gentleman Joe Cavanaugh coming here! Oh, uh... Excuse me, Colonel. Please continue.
1: No problem, Padre. Couldn't have said it any better myself. Certainly not any louder.
0: (laughs) What's so great about Gentleman Joe Cavanaugh? Oh, where have you been living all your life? He was only the undefeated middleweight champion for nine years. He had a left hook that could have put the lights out on a water buffalo.
2: Doesn't he own a big restaurant in Hollywood now? Yeah, I hear
4: it's always crawling with
1: celebrities.
5: Especially beneath the bar, where the elite fall off their feet.
1: Well, here to give us some background on Gentleman Joe, if there's any left, no, (laughs) is Major Robert Hatch from Army Information. Major? Thank you, Colonel. The champ is on a goodwill
5: tour sponsored by the State Department. He'll be here for about five hours. That'll give him time enough to shake hands with your wounded boys. You do have, wounded. Oh, sure. We have them
2: custom-made in the factory in North
5: Korea. We're their best customer. Fine, fine. And to show your appreciation, you're going to give the champ a banquet. Which is good news for you, because he only eats steak. Oh, Oh,
0: is that what it takes to get a steak dinner around here? A visit from some Joe Palooka.
1: Wonder if he eats it cooked.
0: Oh, Uh cram it, will ya?
1: Don't tie on the bibs just yet, folks. Major, let's don't make promises you can't eat. The only beef we've got around here is a la shingle. No problem.
5: No problem. To get
1: those steaks, just
5: call supply and mention that memo. Which memo? About the champ's tour. It came from General Wilberforce two weeks ago. Instructs all units to give the champ anything he wants.
1: I hope you brought a copy with you. Half the memos sent here get classified missing in action. You don't need it. Just mention it when you call. You say so, but hearing is believing.
6: And the uh, plot summary for this episode a famous prize fighter, Gentleman Joe Kavanagh, comes to visit the 4077th and while there has a stroke. Everyone is irritated as Pierce, serving as his doctor, becomes spokesman to the press. Father Morkay is upset since Gentleman Joe was his childhood hero.
0: Gentleman Joe, it is you! I can't tell you what an honor and privilege this is. You have no idea how long I've dreamt of this occasion.
1: Nice to meet you, too. Well, now that you've met, why don't I introduce you?
0: Oh, thank you, Colonel. I'm the chaplain here. Right. Francis Mulcahy. Father Francis, actually, we have met before. We have? Yes, it was 20 years ago, after the Gallagher fight in Convention Hall in Philadelphia. You were getting into your car, and I stuck my face in the window and waved at you. <laughs> I, I was wondering if you might remember.
1: No, I'm afraid I don't. Well, I understand. It
0: was a while ago.
1: Uh, Champ, this is one of our surgeons, Major Charles Winchester. Mr. Cavanaugh, it's always a pleasure to meet someone who arrives at the camp accompanied by a steak dinner. <laughs> nice to meet you, too. So, uh, where are the wounded? It's right this way. Uh, sad to say we've got a full house.
3: For guest stars, we have Earl... Bowen. He played Major Robert Hatch. Actor Earl Bowen is probably best known for his role as criminal psychologist, Dr. Peter Silberman, in the Terminator series. The other films which he appeared include Battle Beyond the Stars, The Man with Two Brains, Alienation, Naked Gun Thirty Three and One Third, The Final Insult, and Nutty Professor Two, The Clumps. Bowen retired from screen acting but continues his work as a voice actor in radio animated series, and video games. Mm.
6: And uh, Pat McNamara plays Gentleman Joe Kavner Now, Pat was born on the July the 22nd, 1933, in New York City. He's an actor known for Airplane 2, the sequel, Sleepers, The Silence of the Lambs, and Fight Club. He's still acting today. Very
3: cool. He has such a small role in this.
6: I yeah, I know. I forgot how
3: quick <laughs> it is, because, you know, he has a stroke and he's in coma most of the time. And then, then he's in bed, sleeping. Yeah.
6: Perfect. <laughs>
3: All right. And then we have uh, Gerald Castiello. He played a reporter. Uh, Gerald is an actor known for CSI, Knots Landing, and Hill Street Blues. He also starred in 15 episodes of General Hospital,
6: which I used to watch with my mom.
0: Yeah.
6: <laughs> it's a soap opera. In It's a soap opera, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, Jay Gerber plays a reporter. Now, Jay Gerber was born on April the 18th, 1929 in the Bronx, New York. It's a New York uh, Heavy episode. He uh, <laughs> <It> is <laughs> he's an actor known for Dog Day Afternoon. Wonderful film, that. Memoirs of An Invisible Man and Martin. He was married to Leslie Seacombe and he, sadly he passed away on October the 2nd, 2015. And then we have Brett Leach. He played reporter Dan Belvick. I love that they
3: gave these reporters last names.
6: I know, because... That, you know, that, that, it's so weird. Yeah, they're not really they have a lot, are they? Just being they the
3: are, but they're but they're they're not. Yeah, they don't ever introduce themselves. I don't remember ever hearing name. Well, I guess yeah, they tell you what paper they're with. Anyways, mm. among the many TV shows Brit has made guest appearances on are. Are you ready for this? Gotta <laughs> take a deep breath. Quantum Leap, Coach, Murder, She Wrote, L.A. Law, Tales from the Crypt, Amazing Stories, St. Elsewhere, Fame, The Dukes of Hazard, Hill Street Blues, Dallas, The Waltons, Wonder Woman, The Love Boat, Sanford and Son, Happy Days, Mission Impossible, Bonanza, The Partridge Family, and The Brady Bunch. <sighs> <laughs> he, he called it a day uh, as an actor, well, of course, because he's worked so much, in the early <laughs> 90s. Uh, from 1992 to 1999, Britt was the co-editor and publisher of Country Connection. It's an uh, award-winning bi-monthly magazine which covered environmental and progressive social issues. That's a
6: very busy Ooh. man, but
3: all classic done,
6: TV programs. Uh, you though. know what? what, I was just going
3: to say that. He's been on every single like popular pop culture TV show. Yeah, I've seen you, all these. You know what he was, not he, no? Trapper John.
6: Quincy. Or Quincy, <laughs> yes. Quincy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have another reporter here, Al Rossi, plays reporter, no name. Just reporter, (laughs) and It wasn't important enough. It wasn't important enough, no. But uh, he's a published author of two books about his most influential mentor, Tyrone Guthrie. Minneapolis Rehearsals, Tyrone Guthrie Directs Hamlet, which chronicles the rehearsals of the premier production of the Guthrie Theatre in Minneapolis. And Astonish Us, In the Morning, Tyrone Guthrie Remembered, which is a series of interviews with many distinguished actors and others who worked with Sir Tyrone. Some of them are Lord Lawrence Olivier, or Lavi as we we call him over here <laughs> Sir John Gilgood, Sir Alec Guinness, Dame Sybil Thorndike, Sir Alec McGowan, Sir Anthony Quayle, Sir Robert Morley, Sir John Mills, Jessica Tandy, Hume Cronion, Stella Adler, Tanya, wow, can't say that name, uh, Tanya <laughs> Mo- Moiseritz, uh, Carl Brain, Paul Vodgers, Arthur Hill, George Gizard, and Len Carew. Now, that's a fine stable of acting uh, royalty there, right? Yeah, I mean. that's definitely old school, man. Oh, man, how many of these, these casts have we got? <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, and we have Matthew Faison who played reporter Bill Stitzel. Uh, Matthew was born on January 13, 1944 in the US as Matthew James Faison. He's an actor known for Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Also, <laughs> Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and Tough Guys.
6: Yeah, it's strange that the reporters have, all uh, the reporters have a better list than what that is. Although Tough <laughs> Guys is a good film. Tough <laughs> Guys, I love Tough Guys. <laughs> um, Tia Turner plays the patient. Now, Turner was born January 7th, 1960, in Detroit, Michigan. He's known for his work on Godzilla, Star Trek, and Volcano. So, not a bad little uh, resume. Of I'm like, there. yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. Lots of pop culture stuff. And,
3: of course, we have Kelly Nakahara returning as Kelly Yamato.
1: Well,
5: gentlemen, I'll see you later. Champ, now we'll go in there. You'll do the hand-pumping routine. we will have the cameras going. Then we're going to have a little banquet for you. Then we move on to the 6022. Move
4: toy. on. How many of these nickel-and-dime units are we going to? Champ, there are a lot of people out here who really love you. Uh, I
0: count myself among them. Is this the...
4: your idea of booking a tour? You've got me hopping around like Bugs Bunny. Yeah, Champ, I'm really sorry, but... Let me tell you something. If you're going to drag me all over Korea, you better get me a second Jeep, or I'm going to get me a new boy.
3: All right, time to discuss this episode. I will start us off. Okay. I gave it a seven and a half. Right. I really like when the cast come together and they're all on screen. So whenever whenever Potter does one of his briefings, and you get Mm. that awesome interaction between everybody... Or at least almost everybody. Yeah, that always. And this—that this is how the story. You know, it opens with them all together, and um, I just like all their all their interaction. I love Father Mulcahy's excitement when he finds out that Gentle Joe is is coming to the camp. <laughs> that I. You know, I'm just a huge Father Mulcahy fan. So seeing him super excited about something is awesome. you know it's interesting because you know you find out that the champ isn't. Is he? Is he a good person? Because you know he's kind of nasty to his underlings but then he goes into the room and he turns on his charm and he's this amazing guy and everyone loves him which wow. i have a i'm gonna take a minute i have a true life story because i have experienced this because i do work in the entertainment industry oh are and you going to name names i am gonna name a name uh, he, he's no longer with us but dick clark who was really big in, you know, the 50s, 60s, and 70s.
6: Was he like uh, a show host kind of thing? Yes. Something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yes. I recognize the name. Yeah,
3: okay. Yeah, he, and he used to do uh, the New Year's Eve rockin', you know, Eve party yes. all the time. okay. He was, I did a show for Donnie and Marie Osmond, and they're a singing duo, a family, hmm. and it was their talk show, and he was the executive producer, and he used to just tear into these poor, innocent uh, production assistants behind stage, hmm. like they'd do something wrong, um, something something minor. It wasn't that bad. But he'd be screaming and yelling, and he'd literally walk 20 feet to the, sta- to the stage area where the audience was, and he would instantly click on, and he'd be the most charismatic, charming man you've ever met. Uh-huh. And this is later in life. He was probably in his late 70s by then. Hmm. But it was just, it's, it's like a Jekyll and Hyde type of thing, and it's so weird to see In real life, so when I saw this on screen, I was like, "Oh, it took me all—it took me right back to that
6: moment." The thing is, I I think now that you don't get to that high in—I'm not justifying it by any means, but I don't don't think you can get that high in this, especially in showbiz, and not be like that to a certain degree. I think it turns you. I think that's why. Uh, and I'm going to just use the word for legal reasons. Allegedly, uh, you are hearing these things about Ellen DeGeneres. Mm, uh, James yeah. Corden's always been an ass, so I'm sorry, but he has. He's he was an ass when he was a, a very small actor over here. But you, you know, that, you, I didn't realize you, that. Oh God, he's hated. I'm sorry, but he is. He's hated over here. He really is. <laughs> People would much rather eat their own lips than have to watch him. <laughs>
3: All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess it's still does, like you say, it does, I don't think it justifies it. So it was interesting to see that aspect that yeah. they brought that into the, the show itself that, you know, this guy is world famous. He's huge, but then he's upset that he's doing these stupid little, you know, army. It's, just, it's all publicity. That's all it is. He doesn't care about mm. the army. He doesn't care about the men. It's all about publicity, you know. And so that, that, I found that very interesting. I don't understand why people were so upset with Hawkeye getting all the press coverage because oh, he is yeah. the doctor. Of the man that they're there to cover, so why would they not give mm. press cover, you know, to the main? I know when a celebrity is sick here in real life, it's the main doctor who does all the talking to the, life. you know, to the to the press. So I didn't I didn't understand the animosity with everybody being so upset. I mean, I guess it's just jealousy, but still, it didn't it didn't hold true for me as much. Mm. You know, it, uh, they show press, you know, pushy press press is still the same today. I guess the press never really changes.
6: <laughs> I put the exact same words there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nothing
6: changes uh, ever. Yeah, no.
3: Uh, I really enjoyed okay Mukherjee's talk to the comatose Joe.
0: I'm sorry I never got much of a chance to talk to you. There were so many things I wanted to say. I'm sure people tell you this all the time, but you've always been quite a hero to me. Actually, when I was growing up, I had Two heroes, no offense. You and Plato. I know that sounds strange. I loved Plato's notion of an ideal plane. I could even picture it. Rambling fields and trees, sort of like the suburbs, but in the sky. I wished I could live there myself. I suppose that's because my real life was less than ideal. I was small and wore thick glasses, probably from reading too much Plato. And I was an easy target for the neighborhood kids. I didn't even try to fight back. I didn't think fisticuffs were very, hmm, platonic. Well, when I was 12, my father dragged me to see my first fight. It was you versus Tony Giovannetti. By the ninth round, you were punching him at will. The crowd was yelling, put him away, put him away. My father was one of the loudest. All of a sudden, you stopped punching. You stepped back, and you told the ref to stop the fight because the man had been hurt enough. And I realized for the first time that it was possible to defend myself and still maintain my principles. If Plato had been a boxer, I suspect he'd have fought like you. That was when I made up my mind to, to keep one foot in the ideal plane and the other foot in the real world. I thought you might like to know that. And I just wanted to thank you.
3: Yeah, beautiful. That yes, some amazing writing. That was really, really nice. Um, and we got some good, nice backstory about Fala Mulcahy, which mm. I loved about. You know, it's, it's season eleven, and we're finally learning about his childhood and learning. You know, that why he became a boxer, why he, yeah. why he enjoys boxing. You know, we got some context about, it and I just I love that aspect of the story. And you know, uh, B, B B J trying that experimental experimental, you know, uh, defibrillator. Uh, mm-hmm. It was upsetting that the press didn't want to cover it, but you know, I thought it was cool and because I think BJ's always kind of been more inventive. Yeah. You know? And I love the fact that they're they're even though they're in Korea in the middle of a the war, they're still reading up on the most current things because as a doctor that's what you have to do. You know, you yeah. can't be stagnant for 10 years. Things are constantly changing. So I did I did like that. And, oh, I love that Klinger was taking advantage of getting food. <laughs> you know, that was... I'm like, I would have done it. I would have done this. Actually. I would have gone crazy. Oh, but God, I would yes, done for I everybody. You it. know, I would have made sure people, everyone would have had it. But I love at the very end that Potter comes in and he's like, you know, the stuff's going to spoil. And then also the refrigerator comes in,
6: <laughs> which we never see again. No, so no And that could, have, that could hold blood and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so...
3: Um, yeah, but I, I, I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed this episode, I think, not just, it was a decent story. It didn't thrill me, but it was a good story. I liked it for the little intimate moments that we had with certain people, hmm. um, which I think that's what MASH does well. If they're, if they're telling these big stories, that these, you get these nice little, nice little moments, you know, with you know, Hul- Hulohan and Father, they were kind of ruffling each other's feathers because she didn't understand his love for this guy yeah you know and then you find out that he's not such a good person but he you know i like that and they have these little moments and you know at the end when when she's when father is talking to joe she comes over and she's very she's very sweet to him you know to uh Mokehi.
6: Mm, she realizes, a, yeah it's just just by a hand on the shoulder kind yes yes yeah. it's a it's a hand mm. on
3: the shoulder and a look and that's all she needed and you're like okay they're good now you know she understands he understands i like those type of little moments and I think that's why I gave it a higher rating than I thought I would. I was going to mm. be giving around seven, but I thought seven and a half just because of those little intimate moments just really made me enjoy it. Yeah.
6: So. <laughs> what do you think? Hmm. Well, I'm going to change my score. Okay. It's <laughs> funny what, how what these happened. was it first? He was eight. Wow. Okay. I know, and I don't understand why. Um, so I'm actually going. No, you. Nah. Actually, no. I tell you what. I leave it as an eight, right? Like, okay. Because for for one reason, one reason I was, but I do like. I, I totally agree with everything that you've said. Um, the, the whole thing where you are seeing kind of snapping at the, the guy at, at the beginning when he's going in the tent. But I suppose the thing is, is that he's doing a promotional tour. To, it's a promotional tour for himself. but It's also not a promotional tour to raise the spirits of the the injured and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You, you, clearly, he's on an incredibly tight schedule because he's got to go from the 4077th to another mash unit after this he's having steak dinner there he's going to have another steak dinner (laughs) at the other place I don't know how many steak dinners he's had so he's probably been going from from hospital to hospital to hospital so everyone looks the same he's going to be seeing injured people he's probably being promised a lot more than what he's going to get and at the end of the day, his his main profession is a boxer. He's not a you know a celebrity to a certain degree. Yeah. Although you know he's not like somebody who's in the the showbiz world, which you'd be used to kind of putting on the charm. So you can see you can see that he's probably getting. You know what? You keep you, you keep bringing me to these places. You told me it was going to be, you know, this and that. There's no need to be rude, obviously, but you don't know how many times he's had to deal with this guy. True. You know, that's and how yeah, you got to deal with reporters and stuff. Um, you know, ordering 60 T-bone steaks, you know, that's a hell of a lot of steaks <laughs> at the best of times for, for more than anything else. Yeah. And uh, I, I do quite like the, I mean, the, when he has the stroke, the, I, I always have a bit, when you have a, a massive stroke like that, which would cause uh, a huge brain hemorrhage, you, you normally, you, you just sit there, you don't you don't generally fall forward, you just collapse, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I didn't think this was too badly handled, you know, you weren't you weren't oh, uh, too badly handled. But considering then, that the, I like the way the story slightly changes and it goes around all the things that are going on around him. So he's in a coma, you hear the Francis Mulcahy story about that, you know, like you say, Margaret doesn't quite understand until she hears the final speech. Mm-hmm. The one thing I really didn't like, oh, I'll tell you what I did notice as well, I mean, Hawkeye leaves the shower, he hasn't done his bathrobe up. <laughs> so he literally <laughs> walks out with his bathroom open for all the world to see so yeah. I was there going oh okay that's probably the reason why the press are quite interested but I don't uh, not once not once throughout this episode did I think he was annoying Regarding yeah. the press asking you questions. He actually dealt with the press in a really professional way. He told them what the yep. situation is, what the cures, what not well, sorry, what lack of cure is going to be, what medicines they were using. He even had to like turn around and say, Well, I spell it CP, you know, CPR, whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're asking any questions. Like you say, that, you know, he's the head doctor on this. He's the he's the head surgeon anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would be answering these questions. I, I can understand. Charles getting a bit narky because Charles yes. is somebody automatically feels he should be in the front of the show anyway. But for BJ to jump on the on the bandwagon, I thought it was very poor writing. I didn't. I don't think he would have done that. If anything, he probably would have jumped on stage with with Hawk, mm-hmm. and probably do some kind of comedy duo. So I was very tempted <laughs> to lower my lower my score because of that, but everything else around it I think makes up for it like you said the whole thing with the speech to Joe telling his story when he was younger you know mm-hmm. it's a bit of a Captain America style kind of story going on there and I, I really liked that I thought that that showed more to, to uh, William Christopher's character than what we mm-hmm. normally get and again like you say the whole thing with the fridge at the end is great the one thing I would like to have seen them do is when they, when they, they get the whole thing about the press not taking a blind bit of notice about BJ knocking off a, knocking up a defibrillator that would have made a really really good science paper that they always do every now and again in mash where they have to get together Mm -hmm. to write a paper. I would like to have seen Hawk maybe then turn around and say, well, why don't you write a paper on it? You know, and then Mm. BJ would have got, okay, it's a short episode, so you couldn't go into detail, but maybe that would have been a, a nice thing afterwards. But no, I think, I I think I'll keep it as an eight purely for the, for William Christopher's uh, acting at the end.
3: Yeah, that's great. No, I I totally agree with everything you said, though. I do want to know how they built the defibrillator so quickly. (laughs) The guy was uh, dying. And yeah. they, you know, they still, he managed to build a defibrillator.
6: Um, wow. But, you know,
3: it's TV. so
6: Yeah, I suppose I suppose it, we, we are looking at it as a 22-minute episode as opposed to yes. probably probably an hour and a half in OR. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true, true.
4: Hey, what's everybody doing in bed? Is it nap time? Hey, it's Gentleman Joe Cavanaugh. I was in the neighborhood. I thought I'd drop in. How's Hollywood treating you, champ? Oh, I love it there. You walk down the street, you see nothing but blondes with perfect bodies and tans that won't quit, And that's just the guy. (laughs) How's your pal Truman? Ah, he's fine. I just wish his kitchen wasn't so hot. (laughs) What happened to you, slugger? Grenade landed in my foxhole. Jeez, you look like me after I went 15 with Billy Seuss. (laughs) You hang in there, son. We're proud of you. Oh, and by the way, we're proud of you folks too. You're doing a bang-up job. Well, they keep getting banged up. We'll keep doing our job. Thank you. Hey, Champ, what's the toughest fight you ever had? Uh, probably the Zale fight. No, tougher than that, the fight to keep my weight. <laughs> hey, Champ, would you sign my cast? Sure, but you gotta remember, I'm a boxer. You're gonna have to help me with the spelling. <laughs>
6: So what did IMDB give it, Meds? Right. Okay. So they gave it – Kenny, they gave it very close to you. Uh, it was a 7.2. So quite uh, right. a low one, that really. I can see why. You know what I mean? I can see why. No, like I said, yeah, yeah. I I was the same way because when I, when I was – you know, because I watched
3: the episode and then I go and give it a number and I'm like, seven. No, it was mm. better than seven. You know – and I didn't want to give it an eight because I don't think it's worthy of an eight. But then I was like, nah. I was wavering. So, yeah, it's hard when, to judge some of these some of the time because they're all good. And that's the hard part. Yeah, like, yeah. How good are they? You know, and then you start comparing mm. them to other ones like, oh, I just saw this episode. And that was amazing. So then you think about giving this one a lower number. But you're like, but it still deserves the number. You know, it's so weird yeah, when, yeah. We, when we, now, you know, because you, you do the same thing, numbering these things with me.
6: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think because this was the first one I watched on our uh, have you know run of recording what we do yeah i, I yeah. probably would have thought i would have give this a level one considering what yeah. the episodes to come are
3: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah so it's always interesting interesting to try and come up with a good number that we think matches and fits the episode
5: excuse me doctor oh goodness i left my spontaneous quips in my other pants
2: uh dan blevick ohio Newsday, hawkeye pierce korea every day we need to know a little bit about the doctor who's going to be in the champ's corner for his biggest fight of all. Hey, look, I'm just a spectator here. The champ is fighting this one by himself. But tell us about you, the man behind the doctor. Look, I'd really rather have my breakfast, okay? It'll only take a minute. Now, where did you go to med school? Absorbine Junior College. Oh, well, that's a good one. You're a pretty funny hey, guy. Hey, Doc, no, wait a minute. Please a
5: just think, for a moment there, we were nearly the men behind the man behind the doctor. Oh, forget it, Charles. Come on, we don't want to be late for our Surgeon's Anonymous meeting. Are oh. washing or just hiding? A little of each.
2: Those guys never give up. (laughs) Uh, It's amazing.
5: So, uh, how's the champ? Well, I'll tell you the truth.
2: I'm surprised he's made it this far.
0: (sighs) Ah, Dr. Pierce. I've been looking all over for you. Bill Stitzel, World News International. Can Uh, you give me a few minutes?
2: What, now and here? Price of fame. I can wait outside. No, it's all right. My my nickel's up anyway. Would you hand me my robe there? The
5: purple one, to go with the pros.
4: (laughs) Thanks. Thanks. Actually, I'm, I'm doing a sidebar story on what exactly a stroke is. I want to review my facts, make sure I've got them right. Yeah, all right. I got a couple okay. questions. I'm not too sure about that. Uh...
0: Excuse me.
4: Did you see him? He just left.
2: Oh, no. Actually, Dr. Honeycutt, I want to ask you a couple questions. Oh, yeah? Okay, shoot. Tell me. What kind of a guy is Dr. Pierce?
3: All right, let's go ahead and move on to some behind-the-scenes. Mm. I have the first one here. Uh, the bus that the press corps unloads from is a White House Motor Company Model 706, most likely one of the 98 that were originally
6: built for Yellowstone National Park. Oh, okay. I bet that collectors' items now, isn't they? Oh yeah. You imagine? Yeah. Uh, When asked to make a toast, Colonel Potter says, I'm not what you call a George Jessel. Uh, George Jessel was an actor-performer who made many guest appearances at testimonials and award ceremonies, thereby garnering the nickname Toastmaster General of the United States. In the middle of the episode, Hawkeye
3: walks into the mess hall and is asked by reporters for some background, such as, where he went to medical school. Hawkeye replied quickly with the pun, Absorbent Junior College. Absorbent Junior is a product that relieves swelling and pain and speeds
6: healing. <laughs> nice. So a medical joke, a medical pun. A medical joke there. Uh, <laughs> when Father Mulcahy is talking to the unconscious gentleman, Joe, Mulcahy mentions that he was a young boy when he saw him in a big fight. In truth, William Christopher is nine months and two days older than Pat McNamara, who played the boxer. <laughs> you wouldn't think that at all, would you? you. uh, uh-uh, Absolutely not, yeah. Uh, When
3: BJ is going to use his defibrillator on the patient, he tells Klinger, when I say to give me the juice, turn it off and on real fast. BJ should have said,
6: turn it on and off real fast. Yeah, the opposite would be bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, we have a continuity error here. When Kavanaugh arrives, the post-op ward is full of patients, some of whom are too injured to be moved. However, after he has his stroke... The post op is empty to save for him. Yeah, that is true. I didn't know. So. I did notice that, and I was
3: like, maybe there's another room, but I'll, there is only one room.
6: There's an operating room, well, a recovery room. Y- you I know, mean, you've got the you got the mash b mash it's the tardis. Yeah, it's the tardis. Yeah, so yeah man, It's got the stuff. other doctors are in there. So. <laughs>
3: <laughs> true. Uh, Hawkeye says, and in the movie version, the part of Charles Emerson Winchester III will be played by Francis, the talking mule. Uh, Francis the Talking Mule is from the movie Francis from 1950.
2: I don't believe those guys. Just give me two minutes of your time, Dr. Pierce. If that was two minutes, Rome really was built in a day.
5: Poor Boo Boo, having the entire world treat your every utterance as if it were of value. How you must suffer.
2: Come on, you you think having uninvited guests in the shower is fun?
5: Uh, I wouldn't really know. I'm just your everyday Joe. Poor working slob who takes his lunch pail to OR and toils in anonymity. (laughs) You're jealous. (laughs) Your patient is beyond help, and yet you are receiving worldwide acclaim for doing nothing. Why on earth should I be jealous of that? Oh, good, and I thought you were jealous. Pierce, how blind can even you be? Everyone in this camp is sick to death of watching you throw yourself at those vultures.
2: Everyone in this camp? I don't even buy everyone in this tent. Tell them, will you, Beach?
5: Well, if you really want to know, I'm on his side. What? I didn't ask for this press party. Maybe not, but from where I sit, you look like you're having one hell of a good time.
6: (laughs) We have a fun fact. We love these. Uh, Despite the episode's tacit implication that the modern defibrillator was invented during the Korean War, in reality, defibrillators had been around in some form since 1899. The defibrillator designed BJ Invents in the episode was actually created by an electrical engineer in 1930 and first used on a human heart in 1947. Cardiovascular surgeon Claude Beck used it successfully on a 14-year-old boy being operated on from congenial chest defect. The boy's chest was surgically opened and manual cardiac massage was undertaken for 45 minutes until the arrival of the defibrillator, at which time paddles were placed directly on either side of his heart. These details, including the lengthy manual cardiac massage while waiting for a machine, are implemented almost exactly in the episode.
3: Very cool. Well, that explains how they kept the heart going that, that long yeah. you can. So yeah. he built a defibrillator, defibrillator, and someone sat there and massaged the heart the entire time. That's crazy.
5: <laughs> go to the swamp. Uh, there's a magazine, a journal under my sweatshirt. Bring it in here. Wait, wait,
2: wait, hold it. You mean that article on electroshock? You want to
5: try that? It'll stop fibrillation. It will.
1: Why haven't I heard
5: about it? All right. Because it's just experimental.
1: It's only been tried on dogs. Hold it right there. Command takes a very dim view of our using these boys as lab rats. I figure he's got a lot more to lose than we do. I let go of this kid's heart. He's got a life expectancy of about
5: a minute.
2: Maybe we better give it a try. What do you think, Colonel?
5: Do it. Blinger, go! And hurry up. We gotta build a defibrillator. Isn't How is he, Father? father? Is
0: He's, uh, He's, right.
1: He's gone. Okay. But when did he it? He he Excuse me, Father. Captain, isn't this thing going to
5: electrocute him? It's the idea. Just enough to save his life, I hope. Okay, take that big electrode plate and put it underneath him. Where far does this go? Right under his left shoulder blade. Okay. Okay. All right. Now plug it in. This table's metal, so we'll have to stand away from it. All plugged in. Okay. Give me the other electrode. And when I say to give me the juice, turn it off and on real fast. Good luck, pal. And me too. Ready? Mm-hmm. Now. Again. It's not fibrillating. What is it beating? One beat. Come on, I know you got another one in you. Two beats. Let's go. We almost had a run there. Steady beat and it's not fibrillating. Hey, you did it! Well, <laughs> <congratulations> <laughs> All right, let's
1: close.
3: All right, trivia time. Last episode's question, fed up with slowness of the peace talks, Hawkeye crashed the top. Where was the peace talks being held? And the answer is Palmujan. This episode's trivia question, Ned Beatty appears in one episode of MASH as a hard-nosed division chaplain. What was the chaplain's name? If you know the answer, yeah, it's a rough one. I don't know it off the top of my head. No. Uh, If you know the answer, go ahead and email us at mash4077podcast at gmail.com
1: out not a bad day's inventing,
5: Dr. Edison. Oh, it's nothing any creative genius couldn't have done. Now, if I can just get my own heart started again.
2: Dr. Honeycutt, one thing's bothering me. Does peg-like crowds. What? Why? We got a lot of reporters in the mess tent. When I tell them about your invention, you're going to be the man in the news.
4: So you actually sort of had to kill the guy to save his life. Sort of.
2: Interesting. Interesting. Wait, excuse me. This guy has just invented a whole new system for saving lives. Listen, I think that's terrific. Uh, You really should be proud of yourself. But if I call that in to my editor, he's going to say, okay, fine. But what else have you got? What, are you out of your mind? I'm talking...
5: forget it. Peg doesn't like crowds anyway. Uh,
4: Sorry. Oh, one more thing. That uh, town that you're from, uh, Crabapple Cave?
3: Cove.
4: Uh, (laughs) Right. Good thing I
3: ran into you. You can find MASH 4077 Podcast all over social media. We have a Twitter account. You can find the podcast at MASH 4077 Podcast. You can find me, Kenny, at Geeky Fanboy. You can find Meds at Hawkeye Meds. We also have a Facebook fan group. You can join up by searching Facebook.com slash MASH 4077 Podcast or just type in mash 4077 podcast" in the search, and our page will come up. If you have any questions or comments, or you want to answer some of our trivia questions, you can send those emails to mash 4077 podcast at gmail.com. You can listen to mash4077podcasts all over the interwebs. You can catch us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and now we're on Spotify. And if you want to see show notes, or do a direct download or listen to the podcast online, you can go to our main website at MASH4077podcast.com. If you are enjoying our podcast, consider making a donation. We have a Patreon account at Patreon, P A T R E O N, dot com, slash Geeky Fanboy. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. I think we both enjoyed it, obviously. Had some really, really great Father Mulcahy moments, just some really good moments in general. Hmm. So definitely definitely one to watch. It was, a, it was a fun episode. And we both gave it good numbers. So. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm Kenny. And I'm Simon. And we'll be seeing you.
1: Klinger, I've signed the morning. Great logs of Limburger. Is this a desk or a deli counter? Both, sir. Look at all the great things I got thanks to General Wilberforce. I just rubbed his memo and they all appeared. Don't you think you've gone overboard a little? Well, maybe I overreacted a little, but I knew the memo would expire right after the champ did. You just made one little mistake, son. This food will be spoiled before you can eat it all.
0: Excuse me, are you folks expecting me a delivery
6: from General Wilberforce? Check out the latest podcast to hit this quadrant the Geek Roundtable. Join hosts as they sit down with fellow geeks to talk, well, geek. Star Wars, Star Trek, Cosplay, Fantasy Anime, Firefly, even My Little Pony. If it's geeky, we'll discuss it. King Arthur had his roundtable for his nights. And now it's time for us geeks to have ours. Come join in the fun and geek out with the Geek Roundtable. Find us on iTunes by searching The Geek Roundtable. Or visit our website, thegeekroundtable.com
3: MASH 4077 Podcast is a Geeky Fanboy production and has a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives Works 3.0 United States License All Rights Reserved